Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to When No One's Watching with me, Matt Willis, and Matt Richardson. Matt Richardson, how are you? I am good, thank you. I'm just, uh, you know, just chilling, just having a normal life. Just happy to see you. Excited that we're back on air and we're doing the podcast again. I know, it feels good, right? It feels fucking nice. It's nice to have something in my life. Yeah, I know. Um, It stops me feeling like such an absolute loser because (laughs) I have a podcast. Um, anyone that asks me, so what are you up to right now? Well, haven't you heard? I've got like a really fucking amazing podcast out there called When No One's Watching. You know, I'm going to start wearing my own merch. As you should. As I should. You know, I'll send you a tour poster that you can put on your wall as well for it. Okay, thank you very much. Now this week, we did say we were going to have Laura Whitmore, but that has changed. She's going to be a little bit later in the series. We have someone equally as good, but incredibly different. Yes, indeed. We have Deborah Francis White. You may know her. She's a writer. She's a comedian. She's bloody funny. Um, Um, She's also probably best known as The Guilty Feminist, which is a huge, huge podcast. It was a real massive thing for us to get her on our podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, a real coup for us. We were really, really stoked. And also, ultimately, you and I are fucking idiots, and she's really clever and, you know, does things like Radio 4. So we were flattered she spent any time with us. Yeah. And and literally, in fact, I spent the whole time trying not to sound like a fucking idiot. (laughs) And... And multiple times failing, but then making it like a joke. Like, oh, yeah. I was only joking and pretending to be this twat. Oh, no, that's really me. I am that fucking twat. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But um, I have to say as well, um, thank you for listening. Our first episode back with Busted was, I believe, our biggest one ever. Yeah. We're so chuffed you've been listening and, uh, you know, you support us by leaving us reviews and things. Um, but if you want to support us even more and get loads of extra content, we now are on Patreon where you can sign up to three different tiers and decide what you want from us. I mean, there's absolutely loads on there. First, there's an ad-free version. I personally love an ad-free podcast. <laughs> there's um, extra celeb confessions. There's extended versions with us and the guests reviewing listener confessions. So you send in your confessions. We get to judge you accordingly, whether you're good, bad or bad, bad. And there's a bit of merch and there's even a whole spin-off podcast. So if you want to support us and get all of that, head over to patreon.com forward slash W-N-O-W. Now enjoy Deborah Francis White. This is When No One's Watching. The podcast where celebrities confess their guilty pleasures. And then we decide whether they're good, bad. Crack on and stop feeling embarrassed about it. Or bad, bad. Go straight to bed, no tea and think about what you've done might be asking why they tell us these things and it's basically because we are guilty pleasures aren't we i'm matt richardson uh, heat magazine's weird crush of the year and i'm matt willis from busted yeah i know yeah hi matt willis how are you doing um i am okay matt why richardson. only okay I'm, um, I'm in the middle of homeschool okay as you know we're in lockdown so homeschool is has taken over my life and i am how do I say this? 
I'm every child's nightmare teacher. Why is that? Because um, you don't know anything about well, the I'm, subject? Uh, I mean, yes, and more the fact that I'm much more of an arsehole than I thought I was. <laughs> okay, um, cool. I thought I was quite a kind of nice guy and quite a chill kind of person. But not but, um, with this homeschooling. Turns out I'm a massive prick. Just and, to your um, children, though. Get- Lovely. Just to my two adorable children. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love what? sincerely. Well, thank God we've got um, you for a bit then. And they can go and like, yeah, you know, yeah, talk to yeah. their mum, who is obviously going to be much nicer. And their therapist. And also, yeah, yeah, I so, imagine you know. if you're horrible to them and they go to their mum and she's like, how do you feel? I bet she does a killer interview with them to get that emotion out as well. Yes, you know, she does. After all those years stood at the side of reality shows, like she's going to be going to be getting them to cry on cue. It's going to be amazing. She does prod them until they cry. She knows exactly what she's doing. I'm I'm kind of slightly nervous about today's show because we're joined by what I would deem podcast royalty as our guest. Indeed. You know, um, I, actually the fact she's sort of come down from the, the podcast heavens to join us is um, such a compliment. Uh, uh, the Guilty Feminist is, I would say, probably one of the biggest podcasts in the world at the moment. Like, it's listened to everywhere. They do huge shows. They've done the Royal Albert Hall, for goodness sake. Oh and we were looking at the O2 Forum in Kentish Town. Um, it is the the founder, the creator of it, comedian and all-round uh, talented genius, Deborah Francis-White is our guest today. Hello, yes. how are you doing? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. What a really lovely and hyperbolic introduction. <laughs> but I love a hyperbole. Love it. Well, I mean, it is very true. You know, I think um, I, I've, I've known you since pre-Guilty Feminist. I think when you were, we'd, we've done some gigs together and things over the years, but that's kind oh, of compared to then, I'm massively successful. There's no <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. About that. I think we've oh, all no. we've all come back, you know. Um, oh yeah, I mean absolutely. But what we're comparing it with, their listeners, uh, is that I was uh, I was I was a throbbing nobody and uh, backstage <laughs> in comedy clubs. And uh, now all sorts of people talk to me, and look me in the eye. It's incredible. So it's just <laughs> it's just. The thing is, comedy, people love it. If you're It successful. is amazing in comedy, isn't it? Absolutely. I remember for years... Oh, but they hate a... it secretly. Oh, yeah, but they talk to you. I remember there was a promoter that I, for years, she wouldn't talk to me and she wouldn't book me. And then as soon as I started doing some television, um, I was in a bar once and she came over to me in Edinburgh and was like, Matt, blah, blah. And then she was saying to me, she was just like, I found Matt. I discovered Matt. And I was like, no, you kicked me out of the competition you run. Uh, a single round into it, you know. It, but it, it, that is very much the case in comedy. It might be the same with music, Matt. I don't really know. I think it's kind of the, the same everywhere, isn't it? People like success. Yeah. Um, for some reason. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have yeah. asked you to do this podcast otherwise. But what's good is that it's very clear that neither Matt or I are in any way bitter no. about the fact that people used to rate us less and now <laughs> rate us more. We've let we've both let it yeah, go absolutely. with grace. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Matt is anything but bitter. I'm not. I'm, a, I'm happy with my... <laughs> I'm happy with my place in the uh, in the world. Um, now, thank you very much for coming on. Obviously, you know, um, it's been, uh, you know, your podcast is uh, amazing. You've been recording them at home and things rather than in front of audiences, as, as you normally would. Um, so we appreciate you coming and uh, doing ours and being on the other side of it so you don't have to do as much um, prepping and we can just lead you through. So um, we're going to go through some of your confessions and I think uh, well, let's just kick straight off. What is your first confession, please? Now, can I ask a question about the parameters? Yes, of course you can. Um, has this got to be something ongoing? No. No. Or can it no. be a thing that happened? It can be a thing that happened. That's absolutely fine. It can yeah. be just the thing that happened. All right. So I once, I once hired, so I used to was a nanny when I was on my gap years. Um, I had various gap, gap years and I was a nanny. And I once hired somebody I kind of nannied for to be the stripper at the 
pen knight of someone else I once landed for. <laughs> oh my god! I think at that point they revoke your license. I don't think I'm allowed back into the nanny fraternity now. Please explain. If everything does go to tits up now with comedy and podcasting, you can't go it's back over to nanny. For me in the nanny community, I'm not getting back in. But there's always pimping. I suppose. Okay, yeah. I'll tell you what happens. Yes, please. And you will understand, <laughs> okay. and you'll be like, oh. We see now you're a good person. Yeah, okay? please. That's so what we want. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself to think if this is totally, totally understandable. In fact, she did the only thing she could. So, okay. I nannied when I was myself a teenager, let's say, on my gap year for a girl who was herself 11. So I was sort of, I can't remember exactly how old I was. Yeah. No need to get into the nuts and bolts. No need no need to nickel and dime my age, but I was very young. And then I went off to university. So she wasn't that far behind me, no. being 11 at the time. So by the time she decided to get married, um, she had what she had bridesmaids who... Didn't know her as well as I knew her. Basically, I had thrown her excellent parties when she was a little girl. Okay. And so she was like, I want you to throw my head night because you know me. So I thought what I want to do is theme it for all of the romances on screen she'd ever loved. So we started out like with uh, a dirty dancing segment where we'd dressed her up like baby and we all learnt the dance from one of those dance instructors and we all lifted her up and then we had a Sex in the City cocktail hour where we put her in the Carrie Bradshaw dress and so on and so on. Okay. Okay. You get the idea. idea. It was a great party. It was a great party. You could be a party planner by the sounds of it actually. That's a really good That sounds like my mother now. That's what my mother would say. I I planned a trip for us and she goes, you know you could be a travel agent. I'm like, yes, (laughs) but I'm a very successful (laughs) comedian and writer so I don't want to do that, but you could. But you, you could I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's a slightly weird thing to say. But what you could do is plan parties. You know Thank what? You. Stop doing the thing you've worked really hard to do and do this other thing that you do for free. Just why not? That I've done with my whole heart for a dear friend, but actually. Yeah. So, you know, this is how the, the the thing went. It was all at her parents' house. And so, you know, we had different locations Great. and rooms and people coming in and out. It was a lot of fun. Right. But what I thought should be the pièce de resistance was the Colin Firth era Pride and Prejudice. Yes. That was clearly what should be the hype. But I, I didn't quite know how to do it. And then I thought, look, Emma's not going to really want, like Emma's not going to want a, a stripper in the traditional sense. No. But a Mr. Darcy stripper, I mean, that, that <laughs> would end this, that would end this event, this all day, all nighter event in a way that, <laughs> It would be so memorable. All other hen nights would go out of business. Yet classy. So I said, checked yeah. in with her brothers and I said, would Emma want this? They said, well, now you've thought of it. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. So this is this is the plan is that we, um, we, we're all standing around in the drawing room. We put a, bon- a bonnet on her and we've all brought, you know, we've all brought a million costume changes, of course. And we're all standing around sort of pretending to be in, in a Pride and Prejudice-like scenario. Um, and then in through the door comes a Mr. Darcy in a wet shirt, like in the Colin Firth. Incredible. Um, and then we have cue cards for her. He acts out his side of the scene. You know the scene where he bumps into, if you don't know, yes. listeners, he bumps into her. He's got a wet shirt that's clinging to his Colin Firthy 90s body. And uh, they have this awkward conversation. And uh, 
And then he excuses himself and she's a fluster. And everyone in the 90s was a fluster because there wasn't a lot else. We didn't have hot and cold running internet children like we do today. <laughs> that was that was the full pornography for the whole of the 90s. <laughs> that was the full erotica available. Just that one scene. And if you managed to set your video recorder right, <laughs> you could play that back. But if you missed it and it just ended up getting an advert, that was it for you until 2002. <laughs> So you really wanted to make sure. Or you could go and rent it from Blockbuster and then you'd notice that bit of the tape was was very, you know, wobbly and dodgy because everyone had played it back over. So anyway, so I was like, great, we'll do this. And then the conversation will take a turn. Okay. And so this was my plan. Uh, the conversation would take a turn and it would turn into a fabulous dance. So um, uh, I rang up... Uh, just stripper companies, yeah. stripper companies that you that you as you do. I found them, yeah, and uh, said, "Oh, hello." Uh, and I get, uh, <laughs> I just weirdly get posher when I'm trying to do something awkward. I don't know why. It's just, oh, hello. Oh, I wouldn't. I've never done this before. Oh, and you're just so awkward. Why? Why can't I just book a stripper like a normal person and say it's for a hen night? We'd love a lovely stripper. Thank you very much. But something really weird and really like, oh, oh, probably would be. I'd be better at this now, but I wasn't then. And uh, it's like, oh, just wondered if you had. Any such thing as a Mr. Darcy stripper or someone who could dress up as Mr. Darcy or I could give them details or whatever. And uh, and nobody seemed to be interested, know who Mr. Darcy was. Um, you know, this wasn't that, it wasn't that long ago, you know. So I suppose, I don't know, when was it? Probably, I don't know, five years ago or something. Mm. And a lot of people probably were young and didn't remember the Mr. Darcy. I just, they just didn't, they weren't interested is what I'm trying to tell you. Okay. It wasn't as easy to hire a Mr. Darcy stripper as you'd think. Right. And you finally, found a gap in the market. Oh, my God. Finally, a man answers the phone like this. Ring, 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 ring. <sighs> Hello, dream men. <laughs> and I went, oh, hello. Um, I think I've got what's a rather awkward request. I don't know. I know it's not very popular. <laughs> I wanted someone to be a Mr. Darcy stripper. And he went, ah, oh, the Darcy request. It always causes trouble. <laughs> I went, oh, so you've heard of Mr. Darcy? And he went, yeah, yeah, but it causes trouble. I said, why? I said, why? Why is it causing trouble? And he went, well, very difficult for them to get out of the breaches in a sexy fashion. He <laughs> <Okay. laughs> was like, you know, they have to get special ones made with Velcro and, you know, oh, I mean, you know. And he said, you know, I can ask around, but I don't hold out much hope. And, you know, you can book one from someone else and they'll tell you they're sending you a Mr. Darcy. But on the night, they'll send you a bald man in a fireman's uniform and there'll be nothing you can do. Right, Okay. <laughs> And I went, yeah, that won't right. do at all. If we're all standing around in Regency bonnets and a fireman. <laughs> I mean, look, a yeah. bald man in a fireman's uniform on an, on an average Wednesday would be very welcome, but not at my Mr. Darcy party. No. So I defriend her off Facebook. I'm trying to get burlesque artists. It's just, it's, I cannot for the life of me get this done. And then I think, Dan, Danny, he's, he lives up north. He's gay, so it seems less exploitative if everyone screams. Do you know what I mean? Like if the girl's <laughs> okay, somehow yeah, yeah, objectifying yeah. him. There's sort of a bit of a sheen around him that it is, it makes him immune. Yeah, or like it's not his kind of... I don't know. That was flawed thinking. Please don't email me to tell me why that's not inclusive but, but thinking. I, but I do understand why that sort of is logical thinking at the same time, though. I kind of get what you're getting at. I, it probably isn't, but don't email me because I get why it isn't. But it's what I thought at the time. 
So I messaged him and said, hey, do you fancy like coming down to London? I'll pay you to do this. You could learn this routine because he's a really good dancer. Yeah. He's done some acting. He'd have a fun time doing it. I'm not, you know, and I'll, I'll pay you over the odds. And he wrote back and said, I'd love to do that. That sounds absolutely brilliant. And I've got a friend who owns a riding shop so I can get all the kit. Comes back to me and says, <laughs> oh, I've done my, my, you know, my friend's doing the Velcro jodhpurs. I've, I've got, I've borrowed a riding crop. My mate's going to come with me and do the boom box on the side. Uh, and at the point uh, of the climax of the scene, she's going to say uh, on her cue cards, um, I'm going to say, look, I, I hear uh, that you took a turn around the pump room with Mr. Jagger. And she's going to say, I, I'm, I assure you I did not, Mr. Darcy. And he's going to say, no, I understand. Mr. Jagger is a fine dancer. However, there is something you do not know, Miss Bennett. And then moves like Jagger, Maroon 5 is going to come on. Great. And he's going to start dancing to I've Got the Moves Like Jagger, but not in a very Regency way. Okay. Um, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, now, the joke was, the joke was that he does the sort of, you know, he starts, the joke was that he rips the jodhpurs off and underneath he has a pair of long johns. <laughs> That's his underwear. So you don't see any more because I thought, no. you know, it's a mother's drawing room and a mother's going to be right there. We don't want penises out in the cold. It's also yeah. historically yeah. accurate as well, I suppose. Well, that's what we thought. That's what yeah, we thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So up comes uh, at the right time, uh, Dan, uh, we're all mingling. None of the tens know this. They don't know this. And uh, so they just think we're mingling, pretending to be in bonnets. And in walks Mr. Darcy in the wet shirt. And he really does look like him. He's got the kind of curly hair, walks in. And a, a young woman of the same era as Emma who's watched this at a very important point in her life, when he walks in, she just goes, oh, it's happened. <laughs> <laughs> and in he walks, she's got the cue cards, they're doing the banter back and forth. She's, you know, the, the, the Regency banter. And then he does this dance and he is brilliant. And he dances, he rips his jod off, everyone's screaming. Everyone goes absolutely ballistic. It is an absolute triumph. Nothing could possibly top this. And afterwards, because he's a mate, we say, well, you know, stay and, you know, have some drinks. And we're standing around. And Emma says to him, so um, how do you know Deborah through, you know, show business? You do, were you in a show together or something? And he went, oh, no, um, Deborah used to babysit for me. She was kind of my nanny. <laughs> and Emma just looks at me and I'm like, oh, I might have. Oh. Yeah, accidentally hired someone I nannied for to strip for someone else I nannied for. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the end of... That's that's the end of me. I'm not sure you'll ever get ever a CRB check again. again. No, it's over. It's over. But look, it was very charming. And as you can see, it worked out well. He then went off to a bunch of gay clubs with his cash, with his cash in hand, had a brilliant weekend. Emma's got wonderful memories. There's video footage of it somewhere. Amazing. I don't see the problem. You know what? Please write in to tell me the problem, but actually write to Matt and Matt. Don't write to me. I think um, not only is there no problem here, you have discovered and accidentally accommodated for a huge gap in the stripper market, which is yeah. just, I think period strippers is a great idea. Well, the weird thing is that Emma then said, I cannot believe this. This was my actual business plan was to set up a Mr. Darcy stripping company. Um because also think about who else. Like one thing we did is um, we had uh, we recreated the trailer for Titanic, filming all okay. of Kate Winslet's scenes with Emma, and then earlier the day before we'd done with her groom, we'd done all of Leo's scenes. So at the end of the night, we watched this edited uh, trailer of Titanic, oh, amazing. stuff like that. I think this, there is a gap in the market. Um, um, 
And yeah. if everything else goes tits up, it is what I'll be doing. I mean, this is so elaborate. This um, this party. Yeah. It, but also, it's there is a gap in the market for good Hindus and good stag do's as well. And this sounds like a, a rare good version of those because every stag do I've ever been on, it hasn't been that fun really. And you've done things that are standard on a stag do rather than this kind of custom tailored, interesting version of it. Agreed. Mm. You've got to know your bride. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. After that. I went to another hen night where all the hens were asked for, ahead of time for ideas and I told the lead hens, the bridesmaids, about the Mr Darcy stripper because I thought this might be useful for this other bride and instead they just got a regular stripper who I don't think costs very much. What <laughs> <laughs> um, gives you that impression? Well, he had an enormous penis. There's no question. Yeah. On an inch basis, inch by inch basis, you could not ask for your money back. There was no refunds available. But on a skill level... And attitude level, no, it wasn't no, good. No. It wasn't good. And right, she was like, right. oh my God, this is absolutely horrifying. We were in a sort of lovely Airbnb and she was just like, no, this is... She was like, I can't understand how you women who know me best in the world thought I wanted that. And I was like, I didn't think you wanted that at all. Yeah, I think people don't really think. They just think, well, we'll go to Liverpool or Manchester or Newcastle for a weekend and go and do um, horrible clubs. That's most of the stag do's I've been on. Whereas I've got plenty of friends that would like like a really lovely, thoughtful stag or hen do like that. So that's, I think, hmm. I think you know, no, I mean, obviously, um, two people you've nannied for is, a, is an unhappy uh, an unhappy coincidence, potentially, because you knew them as children. But I don't think, I think that's sort of just misting slightly your really good idea here. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I mean, the thing is, the dance was very PG and it was right up Emma Street. It was kind of like, it sort of, you know, it was fun. I mean, I'm obviously not allowed to say it was sexy. Nannied for Dan. <laughs> but it was the it was PG, it was Disney sexy. Do you know what I mean? Right, okay. Prince Charming. It was like getting a Disney, exactly like getting a Disney Prince. <gasps> Disney Prince strippers. Oh I my mean, God. That would, oh my gosh, that's, yeah, that's a is, website. You, I mean, you know, I, it's, it's an unfortunate that you became a comedian because this is very good, I think, as a mm. business. I think your true calling may have been... Uh, I think Disney would shut us down in a, in a, in a heartbeat. If we, if we were a Harry Potter stripper... They'd come for us. They'd come for us hard. Yeah, they definitely oh, would. Oh, a hundred percent. Have you um have you gained employment for anybody else you've nannied for? Oh yeah. One of one of my nanny kids works for me. Really? Oh right. Oh okay, amazing. Great. Yeah. I nanny for not, two. Not stripping for other people, just as other people. Oh no, no, no. It's, <laughs> right. it's oh, yeah. listen, nothing wrong with stripping. No. Uh, plenty of people make a great living out of it. This is not me. It's as there's nothing by the way, and I just can I just be very clear about this? Any form of exotic dancing, dancing. Uh, any kind of sexy dancing, any kind of burlesque, all amazing. And, you know, mates who do it and wonderful stuff. Absolutely. Uh, also, as a, you know, fifth wave feminist, uh, complete, complete ally with my sex worker sisters. Um, uh, that is not... It was just you knew him as a small boy. That's a different thing. But I also do want <laughs> yes. to say hashtag absolute ally inclusive. This is not me going, oh, no, oh. no, no. Um, it's more the context. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would recommend that you try Dream Men first before you, <laughs> before you before you go through your Rolodex going, oh, who did I babysit for? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's not, it's not your don't, first call. Don't start call. there. You know what? More, it's more the issue here is with the stripping industry for being like, well, we, we, we just can't be bothered to do a Mr. Darcy. Essentially, yeah. that was the issue there. You, you were for, your hand was forced, really. Oh, it was yeah. forced hard. Yeah, it was forced hard. <laughs> did he look a bit like Darcy? He really did, but right. I really went the, the extra mile because mm. when I first put it out, there were historical burlesque acts. Okay. But one of them, there was someone they called the bear and they went, he's really, really hairy all over his body. And I was like, that's not Darcy. You know, I know what her vision of Darcy yeah, is. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And 
uh, and it just doesn't fit the character because um, this is meant to be a fantasy, right? Absolutely. And then there was another man who was bald and I was like, they've all got too much hair or too little hair. Yeah. Darcy is smooth-bodied, very floppy hair and that's yeah, what I need yeah, and that's fine. what Dan had and right. he was prepared to go the extra mile and learn a routine so you can't argue with that. Yeah, you could also go into casting. <laughs> I mean, I really yeah. could. Yeah. But that's when you've got a vision and you want it to be absolutely perfect. Yes. But I do think um, a stripping agency that went for, like Bridgerton right now is very big. Of course. Yeah. Now look, we're not allowed strippers at the moment because we're not allowed anything nice we're only allowed to stay at home (laughs) and look at ourselves sadly withering through life but maybe a zoom bridgerton stripper these are just suggestions gang they can't be gold no it's true Mm -hmm. i'm I'm not sure if zoom stripping you know it's a bit like these zoom comedy gigs that are happening like they they sort of they kind of do the job but they don't really do they i think it's it's a bit like that with the stripping like if you were that desperate to see you know, um, genitals on a screen. There are other outlets for it. You don't need to get a, yeah. a live Zoom one with someone. And then, because I'd just be going, well, you know, these, yeah, they're stripping and it looks great, but it's a bit messy, isn't it, behind them? Like, I'm sort of obsessed with um, people. Oh, totally. I'm You'd be judging with... their room, Matt. What a distraction that would be. Yeah. Because you, you can't be Mr. Darcy if you've got the Argos catalogue behind you. And that yeah. would be my first... <laughs> I just, no, it would have to be a very clear space. They'd have to provide us some kind of green screen or plain wall background. Yes. Totally. Absolutely. Now, um, how do you, do you think this is good, bad or bad, bad, Matt? I, I know where I sit on this, but I'm interested to see where you sit. I mean, I'm kind of blown away by this. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is good, bad, by the way. Uh, um, hands down, good, bad. But um, I mean, I, I feel I feel quite bad for any kind of stag dudes that I have organised because they've been very shamefully awful in preparation compared to this. Yeah, I mean, it's the same. I think, it, like you say, it's, you know, you, you did nanny for them and that might be the weird bit of it, but actually, like, everyone's an adult. Yeah. It was very PG. And you found a gap in the market. Hopefully, someone listens to this and goes, my friend would like that. I'm going to have a Mr. Darcy stripper. And, you know, maybe yeah. they'll... Or my friend looks a bit like Mr. Darcy and can dance. You know, we, we, we've all struggled to get... furloughed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And has been furloughed. Well, yeah, sounds, exactly. That sounds quite Regency in itself, being furloughed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it does. Absolutely. Really? It's, it's the kind really of thing that would happen does. to Mr. Darcy. I was furloughed on the yeah. way here. I was waylaid and then I was furloughed. Now I need to take a, 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 I need to take a, a turn around the pump room to recover. <laughs> so I think this is, as well as you, Matt, I think this is good, bad. I think this is something yes. that there needs to be more of. More specific strippers, please. Okay, can we have your next confession, please? Okay, I have become quite obsessed with the Sex and the City reboot. Okay. I have gone down some wormholes and have gone as far as writing, well, I suppose it can only be described as as Sex and the City reboot fan fiction. (laughs) Um, Okay. Because here's the the dilemma for any true Sex and the City fan, um, and please... Careful listeners will realise that Sex and the City was one of the beats of the romance hen night. So uh, yeah. we'll understand there's a theme. Yes. Do you boys know about Sex and the City reboot? Um, I know they're making one. Okay. So first of all... I know there's a lot of politics involved, isn't there, with the cast? There is. There is. Yeah, that's what I yeah. know about it, but not much else. Okay. All right. So first of all, Matt, would you say that you are a a, a Carrie, a Samantha, a Miranda or a Charlotte? Just to give me a sense of what I'm dealing with here. Um, 
I, I mean, I, I, what, what would you say you are, Matt? Have you watched Sex in the City, Willis? I, I've watched it. I, I watched it occasionally. Like me and an ex girlfriend, she was quite into it, so I used to watch it with her. I'd say I'm more like um, one of their. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but the um, the the bald husband, the bald husband. I'm more <laughs> of one of him. So you're saying you're a Harry. <laughs> the, I'm a Harry. Okay. I'm definitely a Harry. But if I had to pick one of them, I would probably be. I'd probably be Carrie. Would you? I'm a Charlotte. I'm a bit obsessed with clothes. Oh, my God. This is good, you guys, because I was really good at thinking you were going to go, we don't know. Don't. I just wanted to get a read of where we were. No, I I'm don't a, really I'm care a who you are. I'm a Charlotte and a Carrie. I just wanted to understand what I was dealing with. If okay, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Why are you a Charlotte? Um, now I've asked. That's a really good question. I think, I mean, I'm definitely, the thing is, I'd say I, it's the one I identify, um, I'm quite particular um, I mean, I'm very particular. Um, and of all the others, like, I, I don't... Are you obsessed with marriage? I'm not obsessed with marriage so much, but I'm just a bit finickety. Um, and it's the one... I, I don't think I'm particularly like any of them. You're a Monica. <laughs> You're a Monica from Friends, actually. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm absolutely <laughs> a Monica from Friends. Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm really okay. anal about everything. So that's the one I can't go to the most. Yeah. The others I don't really um, associate with as much. I'm not bothered about clothes and that. Okay, so here's what you need to know about the reboot. Yeah. Okay. There was meant to be a third film. Now... Just to be clear, the series, although very problematic and dated, were very innovative at the time and they did change what women were kind of able to talk about because even people okay. who didn't watch it, by osmosis, enough of the right people watched it and that changed the tide. So what I would say is, you know, my mum might be more likely to talk about something sexy at brunch although she's never seen Sex and the City because the world changed because Sex and the City. Okay. So I think overall it was a good... It was a good thing. Right. Very problematic in many ways. People know the ways. I don't need to go into that. But the movies, the movies, well, the first movie, it was just like catching up with old friends. What are they doing now, really, more than any, yeah, more than a movie? Absolutely. It wasn't great, you guys. Right. The second movie should probably be tried for war crimes. Yeah, I've seen the and second one. really, oh, yeah. dear. Really? Right, so okay. nobody wanted a third film. Nobody. Everyone went, oh, just leave it now. Leave it, leave it. I don't want to know what they are now. Okay. But nobody wanted it less than Kim Cattrall, who plays Samantha. The most out there. The, well, right. She's the sex in Sex and the City. Yes. She was very sex positive. Sometimes they slut shamed her. So, you know, retrospectively, yes. in a weird way, she was sort of the most feminist character. Yeah. So Dan Tetzel, who you may know, comedian actor, the other yeah. day <laughs> said on Facebook, because uh, Kim Cattrall just said, I'm not doing a third movie. There was a massive, massive public fallout. Yeah. Like massive. To the extent where Kim Cattrall accused Sarah Jessica Parker, who plays Carrie, is the lead, of being cruel and has left that up on her Twitch. She hasn't even ever deleted that. Still there, no. you can go and have a look at it. She's, she's like, you're cruel. Well, Kim Cattrall's brother died and and um, Sarah Jessica Parker publicly went, I'm really sorry for your loss, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, um, Kim, Cattrall, she, Kim Cattrall just went, um, I don't want this from you. Like, I reject your I reject your sympathy. Yeah, she said you were cruel then and you're cruel now. Yeah, it yeah. was she, yeah, yeah, really it, full It was on. pretty, it was it's, amazing. Really? That's it's what she said. It's still there, though. Wow. Like, I yeah. sort of see, you know, like if your brother's died and in the heat of the moment and you're in the middle of this absolute raging row, you think, oh, fuck, stop putting this up on performative, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. But it's still there. Now, nobody knows who's right and who's wrong because the rest of the city, six of the city gang have sided with SJP. Wow. But then, of course, they do want to make more stuff because it's, yeah, I think of course. it's probably quite well paid, that gig. 
Absolutely. I can imagine so, yeah. Uh, But at the same time, they do seem quite loyal to her. But at the same time, also, Kim Cattrall has strong feet. I don't... Look, nobody really knows. But... uh, everyone sort of publicly went, it was very sad we're not allowed to make a movie now because Kim Cattrall won't come and play. And Kim Cattrall's like, oh, I don't want to play. And they're like, oh, you're asking for more stuff that we don't want to give you. And she's like, no, I'm not, I just don't want to do it. Dan Tetzel put on Facebook, if the first scene of the new Sex and the City isn't them leaving Samantha's nursing home, discussing how sad it is that all she does now is wet herself and rub her bits against the counterpane, then what is the point of celebrity feuds? Amazing. Which I thought was great. Oh my like, God. Can you imagine Brilliant. if they were coming out of a nursing home? We'd never see Samantha, of course, because Kim Cattrall won't be in it. Of course, yeah. So it's just the three of them like talking about her. So in every episode, they go, how is she? Well, I went today, but she she didn't know I was there. It's good to make sure to have gone, though. Like just that she's there oh. as this, you know, because she was always older than the other ones. And that's how age works. If you're older then, you're older now. So I got to thinking about it. And so this is my pitch. This is my pitch for Sex and the City. I mean, it's kind of a joke, but I am very keen on the writers of Darren Starr hearing my pitch and going, that's kind of arch and funny, but also we could use her in the writer's room because what a contemporary voice she'd be. Great. She's the guilty feminist, so she'd bring the sex, but also she'd bring enough understanding so we wouldn't make all of those same mistakes we made last time of being massive, saying massive racist and transphobic things where there are terrible things, biphobic, terrible things. So, okay, this is my pitch. If you're listening, Darren Starr, and probably someone knows Darren Starr who's going to say, oh, you should just, she was talking about you. So I'm not saying he listens to your show you, regularly. You, you're in showbiz. You're one degree of separation away. You you, you could be able to get in front of him. Well, I feel like it would be embarrassing unless it was on this, in this yeah, podcast. Fine, fine. This yeah, podcast yeah, fair enough. Okay. Say your embarrassing things. Yeah. This is the pitch. We open. This is the, this is it because now they're not doing a movie. They're doing a TV show again. Okay. It's a reboot. The pitch is we open on a courtroom. Carrie has come home early from the Hamptons to find Big and Samantha shagging in her bed. (laughs) In a fit of rage, she's killed them both. To be honest, Chris Chris Noth has said some not very nice things about the film. I don't think he's keen. And also, what's the point of watching a shag kick Big over and over again? Boring. The movie was meant to be about the death of Big. That's also important information for now. Mm. Okay, so she's she just kills them. So that's that's two birds done. This is this is the clearly we can't have those actors in it. So it's just clearly this is the cold open story. She's in the courtroom being this is being explained. Great. Miranda, who's always been a lawyer, is now a judge. Oh, right, because we're ten years later. Great it makes twist. Sense. It makes sense. Oh, I like it. Who refuses to recuse herself just because just because she's friends with the accused? It's the kind of Wordplay, they do a lot. Right. Okay. Yeah, great. It's a lot, lot of... It's just, Love it. Doesn't, it doesn't need to make sense. Yeah, no, it doesn't. As long as it speak. kind of rhymes Look, I a mean, bit. I've, I've used that a lot in life, especially with yeah. jokes and things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just a bit of wordplay. The episode is called Temporary Insanity. Okay. That's the title. And then this is the Carrie column bit. And I couldn't help wondering, when it comes to matters of the heart, are any of us really sane? <laughs> So that's that's you that's your opening. She's killed two people. She's got off because her friend's the judge, and she won't recuse herself because she's like sisterhood. Um, Charlotte throws the perfect homecoming brunch, yeah. whispering, "Nobody mentioned the murder." <laughs> Stanford, Stanford, take and you know Miranda's probably like double murder. No mention of the murder. Stanford takes her to Manhattan's hottest new nightclub, which is called Insanity. 
Great. Which is, that sounds on the nose, but no, it's not no, for Sex no. City. It's that heavily themed. She's in the insan- the new opening of Insanity Nightclub with Stanford. Right. And she's like, everyone's staring at me. And he's like, of course they are. You're fabulous. You're Velma Carey. So show tunes reference if you don't. Chicago, she yeah, killed yeah. a man and a woman. Yeah. There in the nightclub, she meets Aaron. He was a 44-year-old psychiatrist with a 44th Street brownstone. <laughs> what was really insane was his real estate. As I lay under his 4,000 thread count sheets, I wondered, was there really so much money in madness? <laughs> Meanwhile, downtown, Charlotte was dealing with a madman of her own. She was selling an etching by Van Gogh. You need to know Matt if you don't know. She's an art dealer. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a man cuts his ear off for love and he's romantic, but a woman kills a couple of people and she's crazy? How is that fair? <laughs> it's a double standard. <laughs> That's what it is. Can I be in the writer's room, please? Um, you know, you know. Oh, my God. I mean, if that was the trailer, everybody in the world is going to see that movie. I think it's it's like it's like you say, it's just knowing enough. But but also, you know, you mentioned being up all night because you have deadlines to hit. Um, maybe maybe this is the reason is because you spent, it sounds like you put quite a lot of thought and energy into this fanfic <laughs> idea for Sex and the City. I'm thinking of my career here. Okay, fine. So, okay, fine. Listen, I then thought, look, how is little Carrie going to take Samantha? And I thought, well, I bet she's got like a pistol in her purse because now she's really into the Second Amendment because Big, basically, what you have to remember is when Big's introduced at at the beginning of season one, Samantha says he's the next Donald Trump. Oh, So he's now a rabid Trump-supporting Republican. Yeah, yeah, he's compared to Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is in Sex in the City at one point. Is he? Well, they love Donald Trump. Oh, my God. Um, Donald well, Trump's he girls. Just... Oh, he's such an iconic figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, at that point Before as well. Before he was president. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, obviously, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying a good iconic figure. No, no, but no. it's interesting was... how much even the... Yeah, he's depicted as sexy. He was a pop culture, he was a pop culture touchstone, wasn't he, for many years. That was basically it. He was a bit naff and a bit of a joke, but everyone, he was still, you know, widely famous and everyone knew who he was. Yeah. And people go, oh, Donald Trump. 100%. Yeah, great. Yeah, he appeared in movies, like he's in Home Alone and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so, she has, because Biggs turned into a proper Trump-toting, gun-toting Republican. Yeah. He's armed her. That's that's how she's been able to do it. She's Is that a pistol in your purse or are you just happy to see me? No, I'm not happy to see you. Bang, bang. This kind of thing that they would do. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, fantastic. And there's an episode dealing with this called, and this is where I really do get the job, Open Carry State. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Dismount. I mean... <laughs> If you're listening at home, C-A-R-R-I-E, state, <laughs> open carry, C-A-R-R-I-E, state. Did you understand that? Good. Darren Starr, if you are listening, I am now hired. Thank you very much. You know what? Those years on the circuit were not put to waste. That was mwah, perfect bit of wordplay there. <laughs> Love it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, so, I mean, to write this kind of stuff, you, you're mad into Sex in the City, then you're a big fan, you'd say. Look, I know a lot about it. Okay. I, I can't help that. I've seen every episode way too many times. Like yeah. if you just show me an episode, I can tell you what they're gonna say next. I know Fantastic. the outfits they're wow. gonna I know the outfit in the next scene. Amazing. Do I regret that misspent youth? Yes, obviously. <laughs> what was I doing when I watched it now? And weirdly, weirdly, it's like I'm new. I had a compass, an inner compass for a reboot because I had one week off where I just really needed some downtime. I hadn't had a holiday, but a lot of deadlines. I hadn't had a holiday in a year. And I thought, do you know what? I might just do a real Sex and City marathon. And I, I re-watched it. A couple of my gay friends were watching it and they were like Instagramming about it and texting me about it. So I kind of got in on the action. Now I had to stop and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I really had to take a break. It was making me miss outfits so much. <laughs> I bought two designer bags on eBay and I had nowhere to go. <laughs> I, I was illegal to leave my house. I had nothing to put in them or carry Carry? I mean, I don't understand what I thought I was going to carry. Another carry pun. Do you see what I've Amazing. done there? I am excellent at this game. <laughs> I And I was like, I don't have the money for this. I'm not earning anything. What? And then in a normal year, I'm doing all right. I'm buoyant. I'm fine. I'm ca- cash. I have some cash. I don't have an ISA, obviously. But, you know, I'm a comedian. I don't have a pension plan. My pension <laughs> plan is to get successful. But that keeps you hungry, you know, otherwise you just relax. Yeah, yeah. Um, Success or death. But, you know, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I can normally, you know, I can buy a handbag. But I'm sitting here less than furloughed because the government's not giving me anything. Oh, and God. I... What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> buying a fucking out of my savings, buying it when I'm not allowed to leave the house. What was I thinking? But it just got me itchy for a time when you'd put together a little outfit for clothes, and sort of, and everything else. down the street, go to that friend's book launch or something, and you'd imagine you're in Sex in the City. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Like you'd pretend, right? So I had to stop. I had to stop. I went to the tip today and I got to put on a pair of jeans for the first time in two weeks. And it was like, oh. I'm so depressed and I, right now. And it was Please so, stop talking. It's so bleak, no. isn't it? I was going, which pair should I wear? I oh. wonder. And it was like a big event to put together an outfit <laughs> to go and put some cardboard <laughs> in the tip. Oh, it's so awful. <laughs> to go to the yeah, tip. Yeah, to go to the tip. Oh, my God. And, you know, and also there was a point where I finished putting the things away and I was like, oh, I don't quite want to get back into my car yet. You know, I just want to sort of hang out at the tip for a bit. <laughs> Could, I, could someone take a picture of me, please, in my jeans, just lounging against my car? The thing is, I don't know what happens when we go into this major lockdown where you're really not allowed any contact with other human beings whatsoever and it's not allowed out of mm. your house. I just go from, like, normal life, I am quite femme and I'm quite put together. And then in the in the medium lockdown, I'll still make efforts. And then when we go into this, it happened last time. I really... And the thing is, guys, my natural beauty is predicated on a team of experts. I... If I'm, I am quite naturally beautiful if I have women around me making that happen. Yes. If not, 
I think I fall apart and I just look like, <laughs> what is this? Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't blow dry my own hair. I don't care. What's the incentive? Yeah, there's no... What's the incentive? Yeah. I, I mean, it's the thing where, on New Year's Eve where I, I had some friends who they all got into like black tie and cocktail cocktail attire to be in their own house for New Year's Eve. And I was like, what? No, no, that's not for me. Thank you. I can't I can't be bothered. I'm the same. I We did that. Did oh there we go. We had a Zoom party. Did you? Yeah, we had a Zoom party, like a games night, and we all got dressed up. Um I felt like a prick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Were you in like black tie? Uh like, well, as soon, as soon as it was the idea, it was like, yeah, that'll be fun. As soon as I did it and walked downstairs into my kitchen, I was like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, you know? And is. also, very little people on the Zoom had actually done it. So I felt even more of a prick. Oh, no. Yeah, that is yeah. bad. Ooh, yeah. That's not fair. That's not it's fair. It's not fair. Yeah. You're either in or out, I say. If you're going to have a black tie Zoom, you've got to have a black tie Zoom. Half the people yeah. can't come in pyjamas. No, no, not acceptable. So, yeah, it's not I fair. I would just kill it's that. Just I'd just kill fair. that to say, oh, internet's not working. Absolutely. Or we, at least you're at home, you can go and change. Um, now, with this uh, with this Sex in the City sort of fan fiction that you've written, I, I think this is really nice. When I, I have done it before where something that I haven't, that I've enjoyed very much has ended and I've maybe written like a little 20 minute extra bit that I think it should that should have happened in it be it a book or be it a TV show. So I've done this as well and I think it's a great way to spend your time, you know, works the brain, it's a great little thing to do, yeah. a good exercise for everybody. The comedian Sudoku, isn't it? Basically, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a fun <laughs> little puzzle. It's it's brilliant. I and also, I think it's probably going to be a better idea than anything they're actually going to do. It's just how to get away with murder meets Sex in the City, and I think every great show has two ideas. And we've seen all of the ideas of Sex in the City now. I, I am still going to watch it, obviously. I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated. I'm gripped. But I just think what's really cute and adorable behaviour in your 30s when you've not got it together and you've not got a mortgage and the love of your life keeps on shagging someone else is not cute behaviour in your 50s. That's my guess. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I have to ask Matt, you obviously, um, Matt was in uh, Busted, uh, you know, the band Busted, or it's still in Busted, um, but you broke up for yeah. a while and then you rebooted it. Did you feel a bit like the Sex and the City girls all coming back together and you had to change things or was it just the same thing again? I mean, exactly like that. <laughs> exactly the same, identical. Yeah, it was Well, also, not... you sort of had a bit of a Kim Cattrall moment because Charlie didn't initially come back into Muck Busted, did he? So No, he didn't. But I've, see, this is the thing. She, she might not be in this movie, but, you know, if this one goes well... The next one. You know, she could be in the next one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or this series, sorry, yeah, not yeah. movie. That's, you know, you know yeah. money so, talks, um, I suppose, at some point, doesn't it? It, it definitely does. People like success. So, um, so no, I didn't... Um, I don't think it was quite the Sex in the City reboot moment. But it is um, It is weird when you kind of come back together. Like, we, we split up when we were 21, and coming back together as 30-year-olds was very strange. Yeah. I'm just you looking know, at the like, picture oh. of you now, because I remember, Busted, did you sing, and I'm really sorry if this was McFly. I mean, it probably was. Did you sing It's What I Go to School For? Yes. We did sing like that song. You. Yes. Well yeah, done yeah, for yeah. getting such, that right. Such a great song. It's a such brilliant. Great, I did thanks. try and do a quick Google just to <laughs> not be rude and ask you and be like, you, what? You sing one of my favourite songs. I don't know what it is about teacher songs. There is something yeah. exciting about teachers, isn't there? There is, isn't there? I mean, we're probably veering into Me Too in a terrible way. Yeah, here. it's a little was bit. Was that written about a real teacher? It was, yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mrs. Blair. Miss McKenzie. <laughs> Miss McKenzie, we named her because no one wanted to call Miss um, Blair, wasn't very 
um, fun to rhyme with. <laughs> well, also, was it not in the Tony Blair era? Um, no, it was just after that. Just after, okay, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, not a good name. Not a good name to. No. Not a good but name to use. But it was still in the no. bad Blair era. It was in the air. It was in the air. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. Um, it was not. It was not what, the name to could, use. What rhymes yeah, with yeah. war crimes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Not good. Do you know? Although once we were on, um, we were on a. I think it was Frank Skinner at the time, which was um, the talk show, and um, and they bought her out. The teacher who I wrote the song about. Really? I hadn't seen her for years. Oh. She was there and they brought her out. Can you please stop it right now? Tell me everything about this incident. I'm gonna go on a YouTube after this to see that. <laughs> so we were we were on we were on the chat show sitting there and he and he asked me about the song and um, and who we wrote it about. So I said, um yeah, it was about my teacher at school, Miss Blair, you know, she was really hot and um and we all fancied her. Everyone fancied her. She used to tie a jump around her waist and it made oh us. God, I'm Googling this right now. I need to see um, a picture of her. Oh, yeah, and goodness. then um and then uh then he said, Well, she's here. <gasps> and she was there, you know, and I was like, oh. Was she aware before this incident that the song was written about her? Yeah, I think we'd mentioned it in like, you know, Smash yeah, It yeah, or yeah. something, you know, and kind of mentioned her, but she was, um, yeah, she was there. It was... um. It was a oh traumatic moment. God. It sort of takes the fun away when you're sort of um, faced with the reality of the person you've written a song about stood in front of you. <gasps> yeah, also telling someone who was your teacher that you fancy there the whole time. Yeah. And also, I think I mentioned that everyone did, you know, which might have made her feel a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, is that her? I can't see on the screen. That's her. That's her. Yeah, yeah. You can see <laughs> she why, right? She is hot. She is hot. She's what I'd go to school for totally. <laughs> she is hot. Yeah, yeah. She's, um, she's lovely as well. I'm friends with her now. Oh, brilliant. Chat to her. Yeah. <gasps> You're friends with Miss McKenzie. I'm friends with Miss McKenzie. Okay. Yeah. This is the greatest. She's come to shows. She's come backstage. She's hung out. I've never kissed oh, her. You should bring her on stage. But we're friends. She doesn't look a million yeah. miles away from your wife, actually. Like, they're not dissimilar looking. <gasps> I've got a, I've got a, I've got Have a you married yeah. a Miss McKenzie type? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. What did she teach? We were at a theatre school and she was a dance teacher. Oh, amazing. Mm. Now, um, Matt, with this, uh, with this, we, yeah. we'll get... We'll get... What? <laughs> no, no, yep. no, you're not brushing past that. You were, what, you were like at a, at a sort of like a fame academy school. Yeah, yeah, it was called... It was where called, you jumped um, off the chairs at the tables. It, we, every day, Art's every head. day. That was, um, that, was, um, that was assembly. We had to split leap off tables. We were at... Um, no, I went to Sylvia Young theatre school for about two years so um i went there when i was 14 till 16 so i took my exams there but um but we sung we danced we acted daily oh my god so you went to a school for busted to train to be in busted uh no no well i trained to be in annie or oliver (laughs) in the west end more more than um more than busted (laughs) more than busted up didn't you you made it a bit cool yeah but i just went you know i went a bit left field (gasps) But um, but no, it was um, yeah, it was wicked. I loved it. I had a brilliant time. This is this is the greatest story ever. So she was a dance teacher. Well, that is super sexy. Yeah, well, there we go. Um, now um, we'll go back to the Sex of the City thing. Yes. we'll try and get a a little um, assessment of the um, the Sex and the City fan fiction um, stories that you're quite obsessed with Sex and the City. Now I think this is I think it's fine, and also I think Sex and the City is one, obviously you know a very important show, but. There's enough. There's enough going on behind the scenes to keep the intrigue going as well. I think of all the shows to be obsessed with, this is quite a good one. I think this is a. I think this is probably a good bad. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I don't know much about Sex and the City, nor did I know that there was so much going on within this um, release of the new season. But um, I love a bit of drama, so I'm going to go and read up about it. Absolutely, and writing and writing fan fiction about it. I think it's it's just a good exercise. You know, yeah. it's sort of a bit of a busman's holiday. Uh, for someone that is a comedian and a writer, but that's 
you, you like what you like, I suppose, and you, yeah. just because you've turned it into your job doesn't mean you can't enjoy writing some Sex in the City fan fiction. Exactly. Do what you love. Absolutely. Deborah, can we please have your next confession? Okay, when I was younger, I used to ring up the authors of books I liked, like just track them down um, and phone them. So I'm adopted. And when, uh, you know, there's this kind of scholastic book club and one of the books was called The Family Nobody Wanted by a woman called Helen Doss. Yeah. And it was about this um, uh, couple in the... In the 50s, I think it was, where uh, they hadn't been able to have children and they'd adopted a child. Um, he was a like a vicar. It was in America, but he was like, what do you call it in, in America? I don't know. You live in Hollywood, Matt. What do you call it? A pastor. Pastor, yeah. So he was like a, a pastor. <laughs> there we go. And they didn't Love have much it. money, uh, but she was desperate for a child. And uh, so they adopted this baby. But they were a Caucasian couple and the, adop- the, and the baby was Caucasian. But then the adoption company um, rang them and went, look, we've got this baby but nobody wants this baby because it's the 50s, it's America, it's massively racist, it's even more racist than it's going to be in 2021. Um, <laughs> so can this baby is half Mexican and half African-American, so nobody will take this baby. So that, then she says to her husband, we can't just leave this poor little baby, let's have this baby as well, hmm. um, and so on and so on. And this keeps happening, and she gets sort of really addicted to taking babies. Like now we would look at it as some kind of white saviour complex, but also at the same time, I guess I understand it. Like if someone's going, but the baby's got nowhere to be, this, you know, it was all lots of children as well. It was like this child is seven. No one's going to take a seven-year-old. This child is two and they've got, they're twins and there's, Mm. you know, they're mixed race and they're nobody wants them and blah, blah, blah. And I understand how that could happen. Yeah. Uh, But they end up having like 12 kids and I think my parents got me this book because I was adopted and they thought I was probably a good age or whatever I was, 10 or something, to start thinking about what adoption means. And I was new about it. I didn't ever hang up about it. But, you know, I read this book and I really loved this book. And I, I as a kid, I read lots of books over and over. Um, and then when I was a teenager one day, I just thought, I wonder, I'd love to talk to Helen Doss and have a chat with her about this. So I just went through the, in those days, you just ring the exchange. Yeah. Um and you know you'd or you'd ring up and you'd try and get i worked out what state they were in and stuff at the last call um and i ended up uh finding donald doss who was the first boy they adopted okay and he was now in computers and i called him and i said is your mum and dad you know is your mum helen doss and did she write this book and because uh, it's this i it was kind of like this whole book was kind of like this idyllic family and at the end they the father keeps going, can we please stop adopting children? I can't afford them and we can't, we haven't got the bandwidth. Yeah. And she keeps going, just one more, just two more, just three more, just 12 more. And in the end, he says, I've got my quiver full, which is like a scriptural thing. So I, it's sort of ended really beautifully. And when I spoke to Donald Doss, I said, you know, is this all true? And he, yes, he says, that was my childhood. And I said, how's your mother? And he went, um, good, I hear. And I was like, oh my God. And his parents had split up <gasps> and uh, they were fo- completely fallen out. His father had lost God. He said, like, if I can't teach, I can't control my own family, you know, situation. Oh. And I'm, I'm a, I, I can't even continue my marriage. I'm not going to be telling anyone else what to do. So got into real estate, made loads of money. And he said, oh, my father was really, compa- is, my father's still very competitive with me. Um, 
around how much money we've got. Um, and now I think he he's turned into a sculptor. Like it was this whole great big story, but he didn't have, I asked if I could contact his mother. He said, I don't have her number. And he'd completely fallen out with it. And I said, wow. do you stay in touch with your brothers and sisters? He said some of them, but there's some of them like I wouldn't recognize them, you know, like it just, it's too, there's too many. And, you know, they came and went and, you know, it was all these kind of like, almost like foster kids and stuff. Yeah. And clearly this whole family unit had broken up and broken down and it was really sad. It was really like, oh my God. But also for him, this like teenager, he's just getting on with his day, had rung him up out of the blue, found his number off the exchange <laughs> and just started probing into his family life and like brought up, presumably now we'd call that triggering. Oh I triggered God. all these <laughs> emotional family memories. But basically it was a massive disaster and it had not ended well. Um, and he didn't even know where his mum was. He didn't even have her number which I found so sad. And I remember she died and I remember it was in the press that she died. Uh, but it was like an obscure book. I don't think he got calls every day. It wasn't, no. it was sort of like a, it's like a classic, but it's not, you know, it's not the sound of music. It's not like a niche amount of people would know yeah. about it. But he, he gave me such a long period of time. But I just remember thinking, because in the book, he'd always said, I want a, bo- I want a brother the right size of me, because he'd had all these siblings of different ages and stuff. Right. And finally they got him this brother the right size of him. And I, and I, he seemed like such a cute kid. And there he was, this sort of IT guy talking about his father being in real estate, being all competitive with him. And I was just like, oh, my God, don't ever grow up. That's what I thought. No. So uh, it, it's one of those ways, pulling back the curtain um, and seeing the workings uh, was not was not what you thought it would be? Or did you expect to find the reality like that? Oh, no. I thought it was going to be this perfect family and they all got together for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And Oh, no, 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 no. The book ended with it was absolute bliss oh no so it was it was it was a real devastation it was like well things don't turn out the way that books end yeah when you were younger and you thought well i'm just going to ring up these people like did you just think oh these authors will be quite happy to talk about their books and things like what was your thinking going into it i don't really know that i thought this is prurient this is unfair you can't just ring people up because they've written a book. You, they don't owe you anything. It's like if someone now phoned me and said, I heard your Radio 4 story about being adopted um, so or your Radio 4 story about being in a cult. So I just thought I'd give you a call. Actually, people do, but now they, they message you and it goes into your other messages. And so you can choose to look at that or not. And if you've got the bandwidth, you can message them back. But you can do that increments. That is so different. Absolutely. From, we didn't have that then, but it was so different from somebody just phoning your home and you having to talk to them in real time. Yeah. A message can just sit in the inbox. You can go, I, I can't look at that right now. That's too you know, provoking of emotions. Absolutely. Or yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. I'd like to reach out. Yeah. Now, I say this. I had a, um, maybe this was the sort of reverse. I've never thought of this before. But I had a young man reach out to me um, in 2015. And he said, I've heard your Radio 4 show about being in a in a cult, in the Jehovah's Witnesses. I am currently in the Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm a pioneer, which is a full-time door knocker now standing with carts, which is a it's a sort of privileged position in the Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. I've woken up and realized it's not the truth and I want to get out without being shunned. I don't want to be formally disfellowshipped. Can you give me any advice? Can you help me? And I was like, you should not be talking to me. I'm disfe- I'm not disfellowshipped, but I'm an apostate. I, if you could get disfellowshipped just for talking to me. And he went, I know. 
but I really want to because I need to get out and I need your help. I need your advice. So I Zoomed him. I was in Australia. I Zoomed him, whatever we did in those days. It was way, it was obviously before Zoom, FaceTimed him or Skyped him or whatever. Oh my God. And we talked for hours and hours and it was just clear there was something about him and he was completely isolated and he's fifth generation Jehovah's Witness. He didn't have anything outside except some sort of Facebook groups. And I just, there was something about him and I, I, was worried he was depressed and I just said, are you okay? And like, it, just, it was just something about him. I just said, would it be helpful if I came out to Vancouver and we just spent a week assessing your situation and what we could do, making a strategy so that you don't get shunned, but also you can move away from it in your own pace. Because he was trapped in his house because the elders were sitting outside waiting to get him into a committee meeting to disfellowship and he didn't want to be disfellowship because he was just not ready to be shunned by everyone. And like, it's like, he's like, I can't, I'm not going to be able to go to my grandmother's funeral, like stuff like that. It's really disruptive for your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just wasn't ready for it. And he said, oh my God, would you do that? And I was like, yeah, I would actually. Because he'd heard my show. He's in Canada and he'd heard my show on the BBC. Mm. I think he thought I was more famous than I was. And I didn't disabuse him because why ruin it for everyone? (laughs) I think he thought it was like Graham Norton getting off the plane just to sort of... He didn't think I was going to come. He said he got to the airport thinking, she's not going to be on this plane. It's not... She's not going to... She's (laughs) on something. Yeah. I don't know. He thought I was... I wasn't a catfish because he'd contacted me. But, you know, like he just thought this is implausible. But I did go and it was the most healing week of my life. It was unbelievable. Because I was helping him, I was kind of helping my young self. It was like an incredible form of therapy. I didn't do it for that reason, but it was unbelievable because I reconnected with my young self and, and helped him as much as I could. And I ended up getting trapped in the back room of a kingdom hall by two elders who never introduced themselves and locked the door and interrogated me for half an hour because I was... It was a strategy. I won't go into the whole reason why I was doing that, but I was meant to be, I was pretending to be a Jehovah's Witness to help him. And uh, I used all the right lingo, all the right language. I knew exactly what I was doing, but they just knew I wasn't a Jehovah's Witness. They just knew. And they were like prodding and they started interrogating me in a way that eventually I just said, okay, this is why Ryan doesn't want to talk to you. This is why nobody wants to talk to you. You aren't, this is why you do not seem loving because you are not loving. Oh my goodness. What you're doing is illegal. You cannot trap a woman in a back room. You're both men. You've locked the door. What do you think you're doing? Unlock the door and let me out. And they went, oh, oh, because women don't stand up to them. And I walked out the door like it was the last okay. scene in an independent film <laughs> and ran out of the Kingdom Hall. And I just felt myself like it was like an umbilical release, like I was like I'd cut the cord. And I realized the reason I knew I wasn't a Jehovah's Witness is because I didn't look submissive, that a woman in front of two elders, a sister in front of two elders would be like looking at the floor and trying to please them. And I was just looking at them in the eye. And I was like, you're not, they don't have you anymore. They don't ho- And I d- wouldn't have thought, it was years ago I'd left, I would never have thought that they still had a hold of me, but they did. And it was right after that I started The Guilty Feminist. My goodness. And my life totally changed. And I le- released myself and came into my own. Mm. So uh, so that was an example of somebody calling an author and it working out really well. For me, as well as Ryan, we both say that was the most important week of our, both of our lives. Last time I went to Canada, Canada I saw him. And he's doing really well. I made a whole show about it. You can listen to it. Uh, it's called uh, Saving Brother Ryan. And uh, it was an amazing experience. So I'm sorry if you're listening, Donald Doss, that I did not provide you with such <laughs> catharsis, that all I did was disrupted your day, probably stopped you doing your IT and uh, fucked up your memories. <laughs> you know what? If one in a thousand provides that, though, it's probably worth it, isn't it? If, if you know, a tiny percent works out well, then it then it's it's good for everybody. You know what? I like to think that he found his mother's number. He went, you know what? This is, I haven't spoken to her for too long and she's moved and I need to find her number. And he got in touch with her and they bonded and they had a really good relationship before she died because of me. I love that. 
I mean, I choose to believe that too. Absolutely. I think I think that's the ending of the story. I, I, you know, um, the the three or four fans that I've picked up over the years, um, I've sort of know them now. But Matt, you you must have a lot of people who've gotten in touch with you in weird ways because you had a rabid, um, enthusiastic, and still do fan base that you know you're a rock star and a pop star and all that. So you, were people getting in touch with you like out of the blue through phones and things? Um, when I was famous, yes. You, I mean, you are were... you are still famous, well, but, but in, I... the, in the oh, thanks, Matt. Thanks <laughs> I'll be honest. I pretended to know not to know if a song was a busted song or not. I have been a massive fan since I was young, and the whole reason I became a comedian was to get on this show. Thank you. Very, All yeah, I wanted to do was get close to you, <laughs> and it's so, so sad for me we're not in the studio. I that knew we're it. Zoom. Me too, as well. To it. be fair, um, I yeah, knew it. So what's yeah? What's happened? Has this happened? Um, no, I mean the, the thing is, I I used to have to change my phone number like every <laughs> because of people like you calling me but in some way yes because people like you would call me like literally yeah, back yeah. in busted days every couple of weeks every couple of weeks every couple of weeks a bunch of girls would get my number somehow and they'd <sighs> ring me and then i'd have to change my phone number again and then it would happen but they ring me all night long and they'd leave messages how did you answer the phone when they rang did you kind of go or did you because ha- you presumably have to be you know you can't piss off all your fans by going leave me alone so what did you say usually after i figured out it was fans i just go oh and then I hung up and then I go, fuck, I've got to change my number again now. And then I think to myself, well, maybe not this time. Maybe they won't phone back all the time. And this time I'll speak to them for a little while and give them what they want. Maybe they won't. But that didn't happen. Then before you knew it, their school had my number and then everyone. Oh, had my, my God. So, what a nightmare. You know, and there was there was these forums back in the day, like pop forums and like suddenly your number would be on a pop forum then yeah that's not ideal not only busted fans but people who didn't like busted like <laughs> um that atomic is... kitten fans phoning you and going you're shit atomic kitten a wicked um which no. is whatever it was you know yeah oh my god oh, that's, 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 that's trolling pre, pre-twitter pre-twitter trolling it, it's pre, pre-twitter trolling yeah 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 it's much more invasive because at least you can go i'm not looking at twitter blocked blazing squad on a shit you guys are rubbish yeah and I, I suppose you know it was what were you doing it deborah um all those years ago was it, it's sort of like twitter but like you're only a really dedicated fan would bother so it was always going to be quite positive yeah you know if you hated someone by the time you've rung the exchange and it's yeah, taking you, went, you ages to yeah. find the number and you're speaking to the sun you're like oh, i can't be bothered anymore you know i'll move on to something else so you know it's, it's i would never i never had that in my nature to tell someone that i didn't like them i mean if i didn't like them then fine you know they they can that's it's irrelevant to them why would i want to tell them yeah. that i don't understand that i, mentality. I don't I really understand don't, but... that mentality i find it really um I, I find it such a strange person that goes well i'm just being honest might you have to? <laughs> Nobody, Nobody asks for, asks for your honesty. Of course some people don't like yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. I'm cool with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Many years ago, I was in a hotel and there was a party happening and I was in this hotel filming something nearby and a woman stopped me and she went, um, excuse me, you're on this show. And I went, oh yeah, I am. And she went, um, and she started telling me how much she hated what I was doing on it and all this. And I was like, I'm really sorry. She was quite drunk, I suppose. She was like, I'm really sorry. I don't, I don't have to listen to this, actually. I don't have to stand here and take this. And she went, I pay my um, uh, licence fee, so you have to listen. It's on ITV, isn't it? I was on ITV at the time, yeah. <laughs> ITV also, too, like That isn't how the licence... This isn't like a... You can't stop people for a live version of Points of View. It was ITV <laughs> too. Yeah, let's, I mean, um, it might have even been an ITV4 show I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the price you pay for that is Iceland commercials. It's not. Yeah. It's not the license exactly. fee. 
Yeah, and, and and also like, but she was kind of going, "I well, you've decided this is your life, so you can take it." And you're like, "That isn't how this yeah. works." So it, but you know, if she'd have stopped me and gone, "Well, the, you know, nice thing is you just, you've written this book or whatever," you know, like you did, that meant a lot to me. It would have been fine. So I think you doing that side of it, it's lovely that you've gotten in touch with someone and then and try to show your appreciation and talk to them about their their art rather than just going, "Oh, I didn't like this." Like I think it, it's commendable that you went out of your way for it. Yeah. So you think it's good, bad? I think it's really good. Like, I think if someone got my phone number to be like, look, you wrote this thing and it meant a lot to me and it got me through this and it made me think about this about myself and I just want to talk to you about how amazing I think it is, that, that's only a good thing. Like, maybe your enthusiasm was quite high to go through those stages, but it is a nice thing from a lovely place. And from a true fan as well, which I think is, um, you know, would have, would have meant a lot to. If you'd finally got through to her, she would have been quite impressed, I think. And quite touched by it, I think. Um, um, or told you to fuck off, you know. So um, <laughs> I, mean, e- I don't know. Way. I don't know. I think if if someone rings up to say this perfect view of you that you put in this book, it's like holding a mirror up. It's like and going, you're not that though, are you? You're a hypocrite. You you it didn't work out. Yeah, it isn't the picture book ending. I think no, it's quite true. intrusive. I think it's bad, bad. I call myself bad, bad. Okay, fair enough. I think, but also, you know, there are official channels to get in touch with these people, I suppose, aren't they? Like fan mail and through publishers and things. I didn't things. know that. Yeah. And that I wasn't good that. enough for thought, you. F- where, what, what's the phone number? I didn't even think yeah. of that. Didn't even think of that. <laughs> didn't think, oh, write to the publisher and maybe you get a letter to her and she can call you if she wants to. You just thought, well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to find this woman. I've always been a bit like that. I mean, I wouldn't even know where to start. I wouldn't either. Even now in today's internet searches, I wouldn't even know where to begin. It wouldn't even cross my mind to think that I could actually call someone or get in touch with someone. I don't even have Matt's number. Like that's how. Like I'm finding Definitely that not. difficult to get in touch with him. And I'm I'm a fan. I want to say nice things, but you know he won't let me. I'm definitely going to get it now, and I'm going to ring him all night. <laughs> love busted. And then every second call will be a love atomic kitten. Yeah, all night long, all night long, just to break for old days. It'll make you feel young. Oh, You'll love, love it. it, please, please. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought it was quite a good thing, but if you say bad, bad, we'll agree with you. I, I think it's really good, bad. I think it's really good, bad. Yeah, I and think also, it's kind of like a nice. It, it comes from a nice place. Yeah, it does. I think it's um, uh, I think it's lovely. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've got much in me that comes from a not nice place, yeah. but not everything that comes from a nice place is in fact nice. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> a very so good I'm, point. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think I do. I don't have mean impetuses but it comes from a good place but it's you know slightly sinister getting a call out of the blue from someone who wants to talk about your life I just look back on it and I go the thing is he didn't write that book his mother wrote the book and wasn't speaking to her and some kid rings up and goes tell me everything I don't think I was like I obviously said I loved the book and it meant a lot to me but mostly I was being prurient and going what happened I need the sequel and there's no sequel on I've looked on scholastic books so just Read me the sequel. Tell me everything. Yeah. You know, like DVD extras that I wanted. What, and I was yeah. not fucking entitled to. Yeah. They do say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And never meet your hero's children. Because yeah. they'll dish the <laughs> very, fucking very dirt. True. They'll dish very the true. dirt on their parents. Yeah. Mommy oh, dearest. Yeah. For every comedian that will fly you to Vancouver and break you out of a cult, there is, um, you know, a child that will ring you and uh, turn your life upside down by thinking about your past. I've been all of those things. <laughs> the wonderful thing was, is that eventually... I did hire Ryan to be a stripper for Johnny Doss. 
uh, sent him there. He didn't have a lot going on because, you know, no one was speaking to him. And uh, I sent him along to be a busted stripper, a Matt from Busted Stripper. Lovely. I think after 2020, you can hire Matt from Busted to be a Matt from Busted Stripper. Yeah, I'm very available these days. Just wow, to get out of the I? house would be nice. Got to diversify. Yeah. Diversify, Ooh. mate. I, I, I'd <laughs> do it. So if I wanted to do, because actually your era now, there'd be a lot of hen nights. I mean, there up, must be, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been I've been asked to play at quite a lot you of weddings. Make a killing. So could I hire you? Can you hire me for stripping? I'm just listen, these are just suggestions. I mean just you I'm, know, a not little, all of them are gold. I don't think if you didn't have to get your junk out, you'd probably do it for yeah. a, a you, it's not you know, that's probably the thing I mean, that'd be now, a bit I literally would do it to if get out of the house. To it. <laughs> I mean, often fair, fair enough. Um yeah, like um I had to I had a call from my agent the other day and they were like, I know you're not probably gonna want this. I was like, Yes. <laughs> Whatever I'll it is. Do it. I don't yeah. care. I don't even have to say what <laughs> it is. Yes, I'll do it. So if it said somebody's hired you to be a stripper at a naughty's Hindu, I'd probably say yes. yes. Yeah, I'm in. Yes, yeah. please. Uh, 100%. I mean, I firstly, I'd question why are you having a Hindu during a pandemic? But, uh, <laughs> it's on Zoom, yeah. That's a Hindu. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a friend called John Vos who's an actor who I really only call if I need him to do a bit in something, you know, and uh, he... After a few years of me calling him once every six months to do like a Radio 4 voice or something like that, he would start picking up the phone like this. I'd, I'd ring him and then he'd go, hello, love, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved it. Hello, love, I'll hello, do love, it. Hello, love, I'll do it. There we go. That's the Great. 2021. Oh, was that, was that that's, Alex Lowe? That's going to be my new answer phone message. It might have been Alex Lowe and I might be giving John Vose the credit. Oh, shit. I think it's Alex Lowe. <gasps> Sorry, Alex Lowe. I've mixed you up with a totally different actor. But listen, <laughs> either of you will do it. Let's be fucking honest. If I give either of you a Radio 4 gig at the moment, you'll yes, both answer the phone in. that way. Yes. Yeah. Whoever answers the phone first, boys. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for coming on. Obviously, your, your podcast can be downloaded everywhere. If people haven't heard it, that, I mean, it's one of your sort of entry-level podcasts. When you first get into podcasts, it's one of the first go-tos, isn't listen. it? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Well, they don't let you on to other things unless you... No, it's, you've got to like complete the levels. No such thing as a fish. My dad wrote a porno, Guilty Feminist. Then then that's, when you've done a few episodes of those, you're allowed out. Yeah, you unlock the others. It's yeah. like a sort of a game, isn't it? And um, well, thank you very much uh, for coming along. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you and um, we'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's what I come to Zoom for. <laughs> So that was Deborah Francis White. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so happy people listen to this. I'm so happy to be back. Me too. Um, season two feels it feels different, doesn't it? It does. It feels special. It feels classy, sexy. I feel in my zone. You know, it just feels good. Absolutely. And you know what? Our listeners, if you're listening to this, you can help us make it even bigger and better. What you can do is you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at WNOW Podcast. And you know what helps us more than anything is if you leave us a little five-star review wherever you get your podcasts yeah. and tell all your friends to listen. Like word of mouth is such a big deal for shows like this. So please, please help us out. I remember on a lot of podcasts I hear that they say, please like and subscribe and leave a review. And I was like, yeah. But that really, really, really does help. And it really pushes the podcast. It gets us to more listeners. And the more people that listen, the better we can become. Absolutely. So let's grow together. Let's do this. The When No One's Watching community. And as well, of course, you can support us and get loads of extra content like extra podcasts, extended episodes at our Patreon, which is patreon.com WNOW. So check that out as well. 
Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week when we're joined by who, Matt Willis? We are joined by AJ and Curtis Pritchard. It's a goodie. Oh. It's funny, isn't it, having brothers? It was great having brothers. This is a really good one. It was really good. It was really, really good. You're going to enjoy this. And if you like them, they tell a lot about each other. They're very open, (laughs) very honest. It's a fucking blast. Enjoy. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.